This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. People don't realize King David is not just a musician and a general and a king and a, uh, and a philosopher and a rabbi. He was an all-rounder. As we mentioned, he was an all-rounder. He also wrote, wrote the book of Psalms, book of Tehillim, because he was the one in his life who was surrounded by troubles. He, David Melech attracted troubles. What do you mean attracted troubles? Well, he was so good at everything he did, everyone was jealous. Every single person around him was jealous of this very successful, multi-talented, amazing personality. So the jealousy caused him tremendous troubles, first with his brothers and his family, and then with King Saul and King Saul's advisors. Uh, the only person who was never jealous of him was his his uh, King Saul's son, uh, Yonatan. Yonatan wasn't jealous of him, but everyone else, they're all jealous. Everyone was jealous. So the jealousy caused David tremendous problems in his life. He was hunted for the early part of his life. He was just like hunted like an animal. King Saul, his father-in-law, no less, hunted him like an animal, like a traitor, treason. He was hunted by the Philistines. He was hunted by major personalities. We talked about a few of them last week. Doegai Domi and Avner Benner until he uh, turned around. Avner Benner turned around. Eventually, he was hunted by his own children. He was hunted by, by his son, Avshalom, who raised the rebellion against him. And then later on by Adoniyahu, his oldest son, who raised the rebellion against him in his old age. So David Amelech had a very troubled, troublesome life, a very a life surrounded by enemies, surrounded by trouble, persecution. And he was the one who was qualified the most to write little psalms, little prayers, personal prayers to God. He wrote these personal prayers to God. Each one of these personal prayers has a message, has a very important, unique message, which today I want to talk a bit about the unique messages. I'm not going to go through all the tealing because just, it's just too many to go through. Okay, we'll just, we'll just start off with a brief introduction on the book of Tehillim, we said, we talked a bit better last week, we said that David's rise to prominence was meteoric. His slaying of the Philistine uh, giant Goliath propelled him into the spotlight, made him into a national hero. He then married the king's daughter, Michal, and became the son-in-law of the most powerful man in the land. And Hollywood would have ended the story right there. A shepherd boy becomes the king's son-in-law and next in line to be the king. Everything ends happily ever after. It doesn't. David had the misfortune, as I mentioned, being so much talent, he became a lightning rod for all jealousy, all the intrigues and pettiness. And we're going to talk about how the book of Psalms describes some of these travails of David. Little example, Psalm 69. Those who sit in the gate, which is the scholars and the elites of Israel, speak against me. I'm also the song of the drunkards. The lowly and the crass. So the scholars debated if he was Jewish. The drunkards composed songs of ridicule. Because that is what low people do. And he suffered from his father-in-law. So that's a recurring theme in the book of Psalms. How his enemies sought to destroy him. Without attempting to understand what he was trying to accomplish. Or who he was. So it's very hard to see. Sometimes we live in a generation we try and judge the person we live with, but only in hindsight can the historians really figure out who this person was, especially in those days. There was no instant communication. There was no TV. There was no videos. You couldn't see the person. 
So how are you going to judge David Amelech? You judge him only on hearsay. And the hearsay, the Lashana around David was tremendous. So basically, if you hear about David in those days, if you were living at the time of Saul, you'd say, oh, he's a traitor, he's a treason, and he's a terrible person, he's causing so much trouble and havoc, and the king's trying to kill him, he can't find him, he can't kill him. So that was the news in those days. So how can you judge David in a way like you judge someone today? You have all the different perspectives out there today. In those days, you had one major perspective. That was the king, the authorities. That was the perspective. Very few people really knew about David and what was he up to. So he was marked by hostility. So many important people had hostility towards him. King Saul, King Saul's advisors, and later on David's own advisors, as well as David's own children. Amazing, amazing story, amazing. So the recurring theme in the book of Psalms is how his enemies sought to destroy him without attempting to understand who he was, what he was trying to accomplish. David was the future. He was an emblem, as we're going to see, of the Messiah, the Messianic age. We said the closest we got to the Messianic age was in the time of King David and his son, especially his son Solomon, which we have to talk about, Shlomo Melech. He was really the forerunner of the Messianic age. That was the time. The greatest, the highest point in the Commonwealth, in the Jewish Commonwealth ever in Jewish history. The highest point in Jewish history was under King Solomon, Shlomo Melech, the son of David. And David had set him up for success. He set him up tremendously for success, which we have to talk about. He was the great unifier. David Melech was the great unifier. He was the king who unified all 12 tribes, which was an amazing feat. He had, uh, he had managed to unify all 12 tribes. We talked about it last week. And uh, he passed down a uni unified kingdom down to his son, Solomon. Unfortunately, this unified kingdom ended with Solomon's son, Rehoboam, which we're going to discuss in great detail. So David was a hero for everybody, and he was an enemy for everybody. So to the masses, he was a hero. Eventually, he became a hero. To the scholarly, he became a hero. To the pious, he became a hero. On top of it all, he got the job done. He defeated Israel's enemies. He made peace with everyone else. He developed trade, stabilized the economy. He expanded the borders of Israel, including all the land from the Mediterranean in the west to across the Jordan River in the east to the Golan Heights in the north. One can be the greatest person, but the job does not get done. Then few will look at them as a great leader. David Amir got the job done. So let's talk a bit about the book of Psalms. And that was his greatest, I don't know, some people say the greatest accomplishment of David Amalek was the book of Psalms. Tehili, book of Tehili, book of Psalms. So really there were nine other authors, as Talmud says, and nine other authors of the book of Psalms, which we're going to talk about. And including Adam in Psalm 92, Adam Arishon wrote a Psalm on the first Shabbat in history. <laughs> the first Shabbat ever was greeted with Adam Harishon singing a psalm, Moshe Yom Shabbat, Psalm 92, which we sing every Shabbat. And uh, Moshe Rabbeinu Tefilale Moshe, Psalm 90. So Moshe Rabbeinu wrote one psalm, Tefilale Moshe, prayer of Moshe. The sons of Korah, it's amazing. Korah was swallowed up by the earth, but his sons did Teshuvah, the rabbis tell us, and they wrote Psalms 42. 44 to 49, 84 to 85, 87 to 88. So the sons of Korach wrote Psalms. And nevertheless, the main Psalms were written by David Amir. The majority, vast majority of the Psalms were written by King David. And on one level, it's a virtual biography of David Amir's life, which we're going to talk about, recording many of his individual experiences and how he faced them, 
So I'll give you an example, Psalm 18. This is the Psalm when he was pursued by King Saul. Or Psalm 3, very important Psalm, which we're going to discuss. This is the Psalm where he had to flee his son Absalom. And uh, Psalm 30, this is a Psalm on there he dedicated the palace. So here we have some interesting highlights of his life. For every highlight of his life, the down days and the up days, he wrote a Psalm. Amazing. Imagine writing a diary, but instead of just a diary, all the events in your life, you make them something connected to God. You raise all the events. You praise God. You thank God. You beseech God. You, you plead with God. So a Jew is never allowed to ignore God. We have to bring God in our lives, and that's the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms bring God into David's life in every single kind of event. Happy events. He was praising God. Oh, beautiful praise to God. The, we said the word hallelujah was coined by David. One word praise. Amazing. You want to praise God in one word. Hallelujah. It's not a Christian term. It became a Christian thing. But it's all from the book of Psalms. David Amelch invented this beautiful, powerful word. Hallelujah. Praise be God. Amazing. So every single event in his life, he wrote a song. That's his diary. The book of Psalms was David Amelch's diary, recording the events in his life, relating them to God, thanking God, pleading God, beseeching God, praising God all around the events in his life, which is amazing. He brought everything into his life. He brought all these things. He brought God into his life. He made God part of the history of his life. And you get a complete picture of David and Melech through his songs. You see the greatness of his heart, the greatness of his faith, his emunah in a God, trust and faith in God, and how, God, how he views history, how David and Melech views history, the, uh, the afflictions of the Jewish people, which he discusses. Obviously, he has Ruach HaKodesh. He's uh, discussing the future afflictions, exiles of the Jewish people, and he discusses the coming of the Messiah. He discusses Olam Abba. Amazing. It's a, it's a whole variety. It really is many books in one. The book of Psalms is many books in one. Each psalm is a vignette. Each psalm is a short story, has a story behind it. Each psalm is a special way of relating to God. Amazing. Great, a great compilation. That's why the book of Psalms became so popular, which we're going to talk about. Uh, the popularity today of the Book of Psalms, a person has troubles in his life, Book of Psalms, but a person should also use the Book of Psalms when they went to praise God, when they're thankful to Hashem. We, have, we owe so many thanks to Hashem. Our prayer book, the Jewish prayer book is based on the Book of Psalms. A lot of the Psalms got into our prayers. Sukei Zimra between Baruch Shemar in the morning and Yishtabach are basically all Psalms from the Book of Psalms. So it's something where David Melech expresses his thoughts, his emotions, and that's why they relate. When we relate our emotions to his emotions, we go through similar events, we can say the same psalm. It talks to us today as well, because we're the same, even though uh, technology has changed, humanity has not really changed. We have the same emotions they had, the same thoughts they had, the same trials that they had. We can relate to David Amelech as a human being today, just like you could relate to him thousands of years ago. So David Amelech lived uh, maybe 2,500 years ago, and we can relate to David Amelech today through his songs. So let's talk a bit about the Book of Psalms. So they're really, the, uh, we said the majority of Book of Psalms written by David Amelech. There are 150 psalms in our Book of Psalms. In our Book of Psalms today, there are 150 psalms. In Hebrew, 150 is Kuf Nun. Kuf Nun, 150. So you go through the Book of Psalms, you're going to see from number one all the way to number 150. And uh, 
in the Septuagint, which is the uh, the translation of the Bible into Greek. You know, one of the, the kings, Ptolemy of Greece, he wanted to include the Bible into his library. He had a massive library collection of books in those days, in the time of the, just before the Maccabees. And he got 70 rabbis, locked them up into different rooms, and he made them translate the Bible, and they translated the Book of Psalms as well for him. And over there, there's 151 Psalms. And uh, other, well, I looked in the Hebrew Museum, there's 150, 155 Psalms in the Book of Psalms that they had at the, the uh, and they, they unearthed, and they, uh, they unearthed in the Dead Sea Scrolls. So if you go to the, the shrine of the book in the Israel Museum, amazing. Amazing. Uh, I recommend, highly recommend if you're ever in Israel, make sure you go to the Israel Museum. Make sure you go to the Shrine of the Book. You'll see all the uh, finds they had. They found in Qumran, which are caves around uh, the Dead Sea. And they found these uh, old writings from 2,000 years ago. Some of the books of the Torah, complete Isaiah. Uh, Psalms, they found extra Psalms. Can you imagine they found extra Psalms, 155 Psalms, instead of 150. So there are psalms we don't know about, we didn't know about. We have 150 psalms today in our book of psalms. And the book of psalms is called in Hebrew, Tehillim, which is the plural of the word Tehillah. Tehillah became today a very popular girl's name. Tehillah means praise. So the plural of the word Tehillah is Tehillim or Tehillot, which is interesting because the word Tehillot is in our prayers. It's just before the Shemona Yisrael, Amida, in Shacharit, Tehillot, Lael Elyon, Goalam. We say, Tehilot, our prayers, praises to God, the high God. So we use the word Tehilot, but this book became known as Tehilim, which is like the male plural of the word Tehila, which is praise. So it's a book of praises to God. Psalms are not psalms, they're praises to God. Each one is a separate praise to God. It's also known in Aramaic as the book of Tilin, Tilin or Tili. And it's also known in Hebrew as the book of Tilim, instead of Tehilim. The H, the He is missing, and it's Tilim. They put it in Tilim instead of Tehilim, which is very appropriate because when Saddam Hussein was uh, showering Israel with missiles, there were 39, I think there were 39 missiles. Um, and the, the word in Hebrew for missiles is Tilim with a Tet. So uh, the rabbis were saying, instead of Tilim, we're going to protect ourselves with Tilim, our own Tilim, which is the book of Tehilim. So Tilim with a tough is Tehilim, and Tilim with a tet is missiles. So they have missiles, we have Tilim. They have Tilim missiles, and we have missiles, spiritual missiles, which are Tilim. Our Tilim will be, protect us from their Tilim. Um, our Tilim, our, our book of Psalms should protect us from their, uh, their rockets and their missiles. So the book of Tilim is known as Tehilim, it's known as Tilim, and it's also known as Tilim in Aramaic. And uh, that's how the Ibn Ezra and the Ramban, they call the book of Tehillim, Tehillim. So that's the old word for Tehillim. Today we put a A in there because they put the word Tehillim, Tehillah. Okay, so it's one of the books of Tanakh. We know the 24 books in the Hebrew Bible, in the canon, 24 books in the Bible, and the Tanakh, Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim. The Torah, which is the five books of Moses, Nevi'im, which all the prophets, and the book of Ketuvim, which is very interesting, the book of Ketuvim are the book of writings, book of scrolls, uh, consists of all the Megillot, the five Megillot, the book of Esther and others, and the book of Echa, Lamentations, and uh, Kohelet, all the other books of the scrolls, the book of, of um, um, Eov, 
and uh, and uh, Book of Tehillim and Mishlei. So it's interesting because there's some some orders in the Book of Tanakh they have put Eov, Mishlei, and Tehillim because the first letters of these books are Emet, Aleph, Eov, uh, Mishlei, Mem, and Tehillim, Taf. However, our Book of Ketuvim starts with the Book of, of Tehillim. If you open your Book of Tanakh today and you open up to the Book of Chronicles, you put the volume of Chronicles, you'll find over there it starts with the Book of Psalms of Tehillim, it starts off our Chronicles. So that's the order today. In our Tanakh, the, the Tehillim are in the Book of Chronicles, the first of the Book of Chronicles. So it's, that's interesting. But other people say there are volumes of Tanakh that put Yov first, and then Mishlei, and then Tehillim, because they want to spell out the first letters of Emet. So Yov Aleph, Mishlei Mem, Tehillim is third, Tehillim Taf is Emet. Okay, we are now discussing a little bit of the order of the book. And the book, we said, is a compilation of different authors, 10 different authors, and it's different topics. Every psalm is a different topic, has a different topic. And uh, the book is divided into five books. Now, why did they book, divide the book of Tehillim into five books? It's one of the divisions, many different ways of dividing it. So five books, why? Five books of the Torah. So five books of the Torah, five books of Tehillim. And they also divided up the five books of Tehillim into seven days. So this way, every day you can say one uh, set of Tehillim for you that day. And you'll finish the whole book by Shabbat. So every day, of course, you try the best to finish a section of the book of Tehillim of that day. And then, so it's seven days of the week, about 20 psalms, about 20, approximately 20 psalms a day. If you finish the whole book of Tehillim, that's 20 psalms a day, so I'm 40. You add another two a day or one a day, two a day, and you'll finish the whole book of psalms uh, in a week, which is very advisable, very good. We're going to talk about the value of St. Tehillim, how powerful they are. And what they add to a person spiritually, and not just spiritually, also physically, how successful a person will become through saying Tehillim. I remember my father, Alaba Shalom, he loved to say Tehillim. Basically, his Shabbat was, he made Kiddush, he made a shul, not in that order, and he came, comes home, and he gets a rest, a nap, and he, hours of Tehillim. He would say Tehillim. I never heard anyone say Tehillim like him. The gusto and the love and the prayer and uh, all the feelings you see in Tehillim, all the emotions of David Amelech, my father put his emotions in the Tehillim. That Tehillim was very valuable. I'm sure it, it has a tremendous power on all of us now. All of his children and his grandchildren, his relatives, his marriage should stand for all of us and the whole of Khan's show. His Tehillim was unique. I know this. Um, although if you go to the Kotel today, you'll see many people over there saying Tehillim. And you know, why do people go to the Kotel? People go to the Kotel, number one is, you don't go to the Kotel, especially if you come from abroad for no reason. You go to the Kotel because you want to connect. You want to connect to Hashem. How does a Jew connect to Hashem? What is the best way to connect to Hashem? And the answer is there's, the Tehillim is 180, 150 pathways to Hashem. The Tehillim is 150 pathways to Hashem. Why? Because each Psalm has a different emotion a different need, a different yearning. So each one of our needs and yearnings and emotions is a pathway to Hashem. So what does the people do at the, at the Kotel? They're there praying, saying Tehillim. Some people stay there all day. They bring their sandwiches. Some people just fast and they pray. Some people there for 10 minutes. Some people there for an hour. Whatever a person can do, but they're praying. They're trying to connect. So what's the best? How does a Jew connect to God? And the answer is through prayer. You connect to God through prayer. And the best way is through Tehillim because it's our emotions 
our thoughts and uh, our, our yearnings and our needs are all expressed in, in David's book. So he expressed his yearnings and through his yearnings, our yearnings also expressed. So it covers all the different gamuts of our yearnings, uh, physical yearnings, spiritual yearnings. Sometimes a person's depressed. We're going to talk about special psalms for depression. It's amazing how, can you imagine, David Amelech is being hunted. Imagine how depressed the person gets. They can't go home. They can't even have a shower. They can't change their clothes. They're being hunted like an animal for no reason. Terrible. Imagine how depressed he got. What would he do in his times of depression? He would sing praise to God. He would pray, beseech, plead with God, but always praise God through his troubles. Trying to get closer to God. Amazing. So troubles, a person can get depressed, but a person can use their troubles in life as a pressure point to push them to move higher, to move them closer to God. Because who is our true friend in life? A person has friends, you know, if a lot of friends, but how many friends will really uh, stay with a person in times of trouble, who will come with the person in times of trouble and, and protect them in times of trouble when there's no one around? And the answer is we only have one true friend, that's Hashem. We have to inculcate, that's what David Amelach discovered. In David Amelach's life, he discovered, one of his facts he discovered was Hashem is his true friend. Hashem is the only friend he has. And more than we love Hashem, Hashem loves us. We have to remember that all the time. More than we love Hashem, Hashem loves us. Hashem is ready to get involved with us. If we get involved with him, we think about him. Rambam says a very amazing thing. He says, when we think about Hashem, Hashem's providence is with us. Hashem is looking after us. When we disregard God, God says, you disregard me, I disregard you. If, if you're thinking about me, I'm with you. So of course, two of you are on the train, one New Jersey transit, one person can be thinking about Hashem, Hashem is with them. The other person is thinking about sports, thinking about the news, about this. Listen, today, when I read the news, I say, Hashem, we need you even more. <laughs> we need you all the time. So you can't really read the news without thinking of Hashem. We need, we need Hashem. We think about the enemies around us in Israel, the anti-Semitism around the world. We need Hashem more than any other time. I don't know. In history, I don't say in history, but we need Hashem constantly, non-stop. There's no respite from this feeling. We need Hashem. And that's what the Book of Tehillim is. The Book of Tehillim is David's crying out to God, crying out to Hashem. Hashem, I want a relationship with you. Hashem, protect me. Hashem, save me. Hashem, thank you. All the different emotions. So, um, so we said the, the Psalms are divided into seven, uh, seven days of the week, divided to five books of Moses, five books, and also to seven days of the week. Obviously, if you do it seven days a week, you're doing parts of books every day. So you do one and a bit parts of a book every day. You're not doing this whole book every day. Um, and there's different, different ways of counting the Psalms. I'm not going to go into too technical. I don't want to be too technical, um, but I just want to go through a little bit of technical ideas over here. Uh, how the Psalms are broken up. So basically, uh, the book of Psalms were broken up to five books. Why? Because you'll find there is a natural end in the Psalms. We're going to talk a bit about that. So book number one is chapters one to 41, because it has a beautiful ending. The 41st Psalm ends off, Baruch Hashem Elokei Yisrael, Me'aulam Ba'adolam, Amen Amen. So it's like a natural ending. Blessed is Hashem, the God of Israel, from this world to the next world. Yeah, we believe in two worlds. You know, the famous story, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, one of the older Lubavitcher Rebbe's, was caught by the Russians uh, teaching Torah. This was before the communists, I think, or during the time of communism, early, early, early communism. And they caught him, and they put a gun to his head. May, we want you to promise you'll never teach Torah again. 
and he wasn't scared. He was just sitting over there, but put a gun to his head. Most people, when they get a gun to their head, they start trembling. And the guards noticed he wasn't trembling. They said, why aren't you trembling? He said, because you have one bullet and I have two worlds. How do we know we have two worlds? It's right here in Tehillim. It's the end of the first book of Psalms. Baruch Hashem, Elokei Yisrael, blessed be God, the God of Israel. May ha'olam v'ad ha'olam, amen v'amen. From this world to the next world, amen v'amen, Hashem. You're a, you're a God, not just a God in this world, you're a God in the next world as well. It's a very comforting thought that wherever you go, alive or dead, Hashem is with us. So a person could plant that idea in one's head from an early age, Hashem, you're with us, you know, alive dead, wherever we are, wherever we are, this world, next world, uh, Mashiach, whatever it is, there's one constant, that's Hashem. Hashem is our constant in life. And that's the end of the first book. That's the, by the way, this was the, um, in the temple, in the Beit Dash, when they heard a bracha, this was how they answered. They didn't answer Amen. Today we just answer Amen. One Amen. They answered this whole verse. Baruch Adonai, Elohei Yisrael, Mehaulam, Bad Haulam, Amen, Amen. That's how they answered a bracha in the temple in Beit Hamikdash. That's a long mouthful. You hear a bracha, you got to say this whole, whole line. Uh, but, but the line mentions this world and the next world. And then the second book is chapters forty-two to seventy-two. That's 30, 30 psalms, and it ends off Baruch Baruch Shem Kibodo Leolam Bimalek Kibodo Et Kol Haaretz Amen VaAmen. Again, it ends off Amen VaAmen. It seems to be a theme. The books of Psalms end with this Amen, Amen. Blessed be his, his glory forever. And may his glory fill up the whole world. Amen, Amen. Amazing, beautiful ending to the second book. The third book is Psalm 73 to 89. And it ends up Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen, Amen. Blessed be Hashem forever. Amen, Amen. The fourth book is chapters. 90 to 106. It's very short. It's a very short book, only 16 Psalms. And it ends up Baruch Adonai Elohei Israel, Min Haolam, Bad Haolam, Be'amar, Kola'am, Amen, Hallelujah. Okay, here's the Hallelujah. But praise be the Lord. So this is the longest ending, I think. Blessed be Hashem, the God of Israel, from this world to the next world. And all the people answered, Amen, Hallelujah. Praise be the Lord. And then we have the fifth book, the last book, chapters, it's the longest book, chapters 107 to 150. And that's the ending. And the ending is a beautiful ending. It's one of my favorite psalms. The last psalm in the book, Psalm 150. If you're really happy and you really want to praise God, that's the psalm to praise God with and end off this line, this beautiful line, which we have in our psalms every day before by Barak David. This is the Psalm 150. Kol haneshama, every soul. Tehalelia, this is the word tehilim, tehalel, which is to praise, we praise God, hallelujah, praise be God. So that's the most, that's how the Psalm, Book of Psalms ends off with this line of praising God, a very powerful line of praise to God, that our souls should praise God. It's not just our bodies and our voices, it's the soul, and it was the ego of the person. The real internal part of the person, the subconscious of the person, but the soul is hiding, uh, has to praise God. In other words, it's going to be part of our essence. It's not going to be part of just putting on an act. The soul of a person is the essence of the person. And the essence of the person has to praise God. The essence is called neshama. The rabbis also say neshama is neshima. Because we know the soul is in the breath, the breath of life. 
And every breath, a person should praise God. With every breath, a person should praise God. Uh, there's a very interesting meditation. Uh, that meditation is, when you breathe in, say, I love you, God. When you breathe out, God, you love me. So it's or vice versa. When you breathe in, God loves me. When I breathe out, I love God. So imagine a person walking down the street, breathing in. I love God. Breathe out. God loves me. I love God. God loves me. I love God. God loves me. Tremendously powerful meditation. If you have nothing in your head, this is the best meditation. Every breath, breath in, I love God. Breath out, God loves me. Breath in, I love God. Breath out, God loves me. This is the power of Tehillim. Kola Nishama. Every soul, every breath. Say hallelujah, praise God. Hallelujah. Praise be God. Praising God has a tremendous effect in the world above and in the world today. Why? Because we bring God into the world. When we praise God, we're bringing God into our physical world. The more we bring God into our physical world, the more light there is in the world, and there's the less darkness. So today our world is full of darkness. And let's bring light into the world. How do we bring light into the world? By recognizing God in every single facet of our lives, just like King David did in the Book of Psalms. So Book of Psalms is a role model for how to bring God into your life. So there are 2,527 verses in the book of Psalms. 2,527 verses in the book of Psalms. And there's many discussions about what is the middle verse, because interesting, the middle verse of a book is usually the the key of the book. In in, uh, books, Jewish books, in in our Hebrew books, in our tradition. The middle parts of the, the book is the key of the whole book. For example, the middle verses in the book of the of the Humash of Moshe Rabbeinu, five books of Moses, is love your friend as yourself. Amazing. That's the middle line. That's what the whole Torah is all about. Everything else is commentary. That's what Rabbi Akiva said. The, the, main, the main mitzvah is everything else is commentary. How do we know? It's the middle verse of the whole Torah. And the middle verse of the book of Psalms, big discussion, what is it? So it depends how you count the verses. Okay, it's always discussions. And I like this one. The middle verse is uh, That's one opinion. Uh, the, other, the other opinion is The merciful one will atone for all sin and will not destroy. This is the psalm that we open the book of the prayers of Arvit every day on a weekday. We say this verse before the Arvid, the evening prayer. Hashem, the merciful one, will forgive sin. That is the middle line of the book of Psalms. That is the essence of the book of Psalms. And that is, what does that mean? It means the book of Psalms, the engine to purify us. How does Hashem purify us and forgive us sin when we purify ourselves? How do we purify ourselves? That's the secret of the book of Psalms. That's the middle verse of the book of Psalms. The merciful God. Will forgive us for what our sins. How? Because we are purifying ourselves in the mikvah of the Psalms. The, the Psalms are like a mikvah. You know, the person goes in, you're being reborn by saying the book of Psalms, you're reborn every day. So the Psalms has a tremendous power of spiritual power of cleansing, cleanses us. And that's the middle verse of Psalms, which we say before the evening prayers every single day on a weekday. Obviously, not on Shabbat. We don't talk about sin on Shabbat, which is interesting. And so that's the middle of verse. Okay, we are moving on. 
book of Psalms, very interesting. Um, and we said also you can split the Psalms into seven parts to be said every day. So every day a different part. So Yom Rishon, the first day, Psalm 1 to 29. Now you can find this in most books of Psalms. They have it split already for you uh, into books and also into days. So the natural, if you don't have it, just take a note. The first day, say Psalms 1 to 29. That's on, on Sunday. Monday, Psalm 30 to 50. Tuesday, Psalm 51 to 72. Uh, Wednesday, Psalm 73 to 89. Thursday, Psalm 90 to 106. Friday, Psalm 107 to 119, which we're going to talk about. 119 is one of the most interesting Psalms. Because 119 has the whole Aleph Bet, which we're going to talk about eight times over. Aleph Bet, eight times over. Very important. It's called the Alpha Beta. Psalm 119 is called the Alphabeta. We're going to talk about Psalm 119. If I don't talk about it, remind me. I have to talk about it because it's a very powerful psalm because you can put your name in the book of Psalms. How do you put your name in the book of Psalms? Because this psalm is made up of other bets. Every line, eight lines of each uh, line, uh, eight lines in a row start with an Aleph. Eight lines in a row start with Bet. Eight lines in a row start with Gimel, etc., etc. By spelling out your name using these lines, you can bring tremendous blessing to yourself. So, for example, if my name is David, I'll use the Dalit lines eight times, and then the Vav, and then the Dalit. So eight times each, each eight, eight lines of a psalm, spell out your name, and then you put Ben, you spell out the Ben, Bet Nun, or Bat, and then you spell out your mother's name, and you say that, and if you want Parnassa, you want money, you spell out the letters Parnassa, you say those letters, whatever you want. You can put in whatever letters you want. It's an amazing way to pray. You're praising God and praying at the same time. It's an amazing way to pray. It's very successful, very powerful way to pray. In fact, this is also used in the cemetery when we, uh, before we go and pray for the deceased. We say their name using the psalm. This psalm is powerful uh, by spelling out letters. We know that uh, when uh, they had the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol, we talked about it last week, David Melech. The Kohen Gadol was killed by uh, King Saul's men. And the son of the Kohen Gadol ran away with the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol and the clothes of the Kohen Gadol. And that was a great gift for David Amirach. Now he could communicate with God. God spelled out, would answer his replies by spelling out letters in the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol. The letters of the names of the tribes would be spelled out by God. And this way a person would get a message from God. He would ask a question, he'd get an answer. So we also, it's like kind of Morse code, it's kind of spiritual Morse code. We can spell out messages to God by using the power of Tehillim in Psalm 119. But more about that later. On Shabbat, we finish off the book of Psalms, Psalm 120 to Psalm 150. That's the ending of the book of Psalms, Psalm 150, very powerful, he said, is read on Shabbat. Okay. Um, so... We have different kinds of psalms, which we're going to talk about. There's psalms which have the word David in them. And that's when you know the psalm is written by David. Some psalms have the Shlomo. So it's written by Shlomo. Or it's written as a prayer for Shlomo. So, uh, so it has David in the psalm. You know for sure it's David. The Shlomo could be either Shlomo wrote it or it's a prayer for Shlomo. We're going to see. And some psalms have Le Asaf. Asaf was one of the Levim, Levites. 
Some songs written by the sons of Korach, so they have this more she Libne Korach, this more Korach, or Libne Korach is more. They put the, so the name of the author is usually in the psalm. The name of the author is usually in the psalm, as mentioned. Most of the psalms are David. Um, and so you'll know who the author is. So there's 10 authors in the book of Psalms. And there's different kinds of Psalms as well. Lamnatseyach, uh, there's Mizmor, there's Shir, all different kinds of Psalms uh, using different kinds of rhythms. Now, today we don't have the rhythms. So there's a key in the Psalm to tell the musician what kind of music to play. Amazing. So keyed into the Psalm, the, by, in the heading of the Psalm, you know, the musician who in those days would know the music, they'd know which beat to play, which rhythm to play, which uh, background music to play when, when singing the psalm. And the Levites in the temple, when they offered up the sacrifice, they would actually sing songs with musical background. If you'd have been in the temple, you this is one of the keys to spirituality, to have a message from God, to open your minds to God, to meditation is music. Music is very powerful. Uh, when used to meditate. So impossible to meditate without music. It gets a person to a good frame of mind. I'm talking about pleasant music, uh, nice music, not uh, garbage music. Uh, they'll never get into a, a spiritual level listening to the garbage music. I don't know. I'm not an expert on music, okay? But uh, take my word for it. If you listen to all the garbage music, you'll never get into a spiritual state. It draws you down as opposed to pushing you up. Plus, you got to listen to spiritual music. There's uh, Jewish music, but classical, classical kinds of music, depends on who wrote it. Uh, usually happier kind of music, happier kind of Jewish music is the best music to get into spiritual state. Music with good words, with holy words, that will get us into spiritual state. So what holier words do you have in songs? So songs are the holiest words. The trouble with it is we've lost the music behind it. David Amelech wrote not just the words, he also wrote the music, he himself was a musician. He was a harp player, we know, because he played the harp for Saul to cheer him up from his depression. And uh, that's how we know that he was a tremendously good musician. He was chosen from all of Israel. The top musician in Israel, he's brought to the king to cheer the king up. So obviously he wrote the Psalms, he wrote the words, but he also wrote the music. And that music was played in the temple with an orchestra. They had an orchestra in the temple, people don't realize that. And they played music every single day, twice a day in Shaharit and Mincha. And they brought the offerings in the morning, brought the offerings in the afternoon. They had to play music as part of the service. Not only they played music, but they sang the Levites for musicians and they also singers. And they had to sing the like orchestra and they had a choir. So it was an amazing spiritual music in the temple every single day. If you went there, you would automatically be in a spiritual high because that music would bring a person into a kind of prophetic kind of trance-like state. Amazing. And uh, so that's David and Melech's music and words. So today we have the words. I wish we had the music. I really wish we had the music. We don't have the music today, but we have the words. So at least we can focus on the words, the meaning and what it means, what, it, what message there is. How can I use this? How does it apply to my life? Um, and, you know, if you look through a book of Tehillim, you don't say them all. You can say the ones that appeal to you. What are you going through in your life? What, how does it connect to what David Amira is going through in his life? And this way you can pick certain Tehillim which appeal to you. And uh, for example, there's certain Tehillim which appeal to me. I mean, we'll go through them very, very quickly. And uh, they're powerful Tehillim, which I try and say every single day. You know, most people, you talk about the book of Psalms, they'll say, okay, Psalm 23. You know, Psalm 23 is very important. 
Psalm 23 is an excellent psalm because we're talking about divine providence. It's talking about divine providence. Hashem is with me. I never lack. Hashem is my, uh, he's like a shepherd. He leads me in green pastures. Hashem is my shepherd. Hashem is the one, the rod and the staff, he, he comfort me. How does God's rod and staff comfort me? What is the rod and staff? So the answer, the rod is something you just hit someone with or hit the, the sheep, smack the sheep to make the sheep move. That's the rod. And the staff had a crook. At the top of the staff is curved to pull the sheep. So talking about something, a mechanism by which Hashem pulls us and Hashem pushes us. So there's two mechanisms in life. Sometimes Hashem pulls us. He gives us an offering. We get a fantastic new job, a good job offer. That's a pulling. Hashem is pulling us in a certain direction. Or Hashem is pushing us in a certain direction. When there's anti-Semitism, when there's violence, Hashem is pushing us in a certain direction. Get out of this country. It's not safe. Move. Get out of this place. Find a better school. Find a better job. Find a better this. That's a push. Sometimes Hashem pulls, but get offered with something. So first of all, look at their life. They saw his life as a series of pushes and pulls. Hashem is pushing him in one direction. And Hashem is putting him in direction. So by saying Psalm 23, a person is acknowledging in their lives, their own lives, you know, Hashem's providence, divine providence. Hashem is putting me, Hashem is pushing me. Hashem is looking after me in every area of my life, every single day of my life. We just need to open our eyes and see what does Hashem want? What is Hashem telling us? What is Hashem sending us messages? We get messages every day. What are these messages? What does Hashem want for us? So we have to see that's what David Amalek is telling us in Psalm 23. Very powerful psalm. Most people know, you tell them Psalms, book Psalm 23 became very popular within the Jewish world and also in the non-Jewish world as well. Psalm 23, very popular. But there's other Psalms we have to go through. Psalm 91, my mother always told me, she said when she had a kid, she was a kid, she had terrible nightmares. And she went to her father, Daddy, I have terrible nightmares. And daddy said, no problem. Psalm 91. <laughs> that was the remedy for nightmares. Psalm 91, which is actually part of our sidur. It's part of the formula before going to sleep. You know, there's a prayer to be said every night before going to sleep. It's called Kriyat Shema Ramita. Say the Shema, but it's also Psalm 91 and there's other Psalms as well for protection for going to sleep. It's a mechanism by which we, a person directs their life, directs their mind in a positive way and recognizes God's protective powers. So Psalm 91, straight away without blinking, he said, Psalm 91, my mother said she said Psalm 91. And since that time, she never had nightmares. So Psalm 91. So there's different Psalms for different things. You're supposed to know. It's like, we're not allowed to use Torah as medication, but it's not a medication. It's like a meditative process to get one's mind thinking along a certain path. It's psychosomatic. You, you get your mind thinking a certain path. You think that God is all-powerful. It changes your whole perspective in life. So why should I be scared of so-and-so? Why should I be terrified of this at work? Why should I be terrified of this at school? There's a buddy, there's this, but God is all-powerful. God is on my side. God is all-powerful. i got to find a remedy. Hashem is there. Hashem is protecting me. So it's a way of thinking. By reading the psalm, we have a special way of thinking. It programs us to think in a certain way and reach out and build our spirituality based on troubles in life. And we're going, to, we're going to talk more about that. Based on our emotions, based on where we are, when we are, how we are that particular instant. We can turn that instant into a spiritual instant by opening up the book of Psalms. 
finding the Psalms to relate to us. Listen, believe me, it doesn't take too long to go through the Psalms and classify them. Uh, article did it for us. You open the book of article, it tells you the Psalm is for this, this Psalm is for this, this Psalm is this, this, this was happening with David. And it's written in a beautiful way. In, in, in a few seconds, you can skim the headlines of the Psalm and see, does this apply to me? Does this call out to me, this Psalm? Let me go through the book of Psalms. I would advise everyone, um, uh, go through the book of Psalms, skim through it, and see which Psalms you like, which Psalms you want to say, which Psalms appeal to you, which Psalms apply to you. All Psalms apply to every person, every single day. So, or if you want to say them all, split them up. So that it's the book of Psalms is split up already in seven days. Every day say some Psalms. If you can't say in seven days, break them up. You have 150 Psalms in one month. You have five Psalms a day. Psalm a day keeps the doctor away. Psalm a day keeps the troubles away. Psalm a day can protect the person in their lives. Powerful stuff. Whether you like it or not, it's in the prayer book. So if you pray every day, you're saying Psalms anyway. So certain Psalms are so important. Rabbi said to say Ashrei three times a day. Ashrei three times a day is a psalm. We're saying a psalm. So Psalm 145, right there. So it's, whether we like it or not, we're saying psalms anyway. But it's good to know what they mean. Good to know where they apply. It's good to know the power. And it's good to go into that. So when, that's part of uh, our talk. And uh, we're going to discuss a bit more in detail. And then next week, we're going to go into more details. Try, hopefully, we'll go through the whole book of psalms next few weeks. Saying, talking about each psalm identifying them, what's the power, what's the, what was the time that the medical saying them, what happened to him, and what he's praying for, and which ones really apply to us, which ones really we should be saying with more enthusiasm, with more energy, and focus on. So these are beautiful, beautiful, each one is a jewel. Each psalm is a jewel for different occasions, or for all occasions. Some psalms are all around us. And the truth is, every single day we should be praising God. So last few psalms in the book, amazing praises to God. Every day we should be pleading to God. So it's all the Shia Malots, Psalm 121 uh, to 135. We should be, you know, those, those are Psalms which are classics. These are classics, uh, pleading, praying, uh, praising. These are classics uh, that every single person should have. And in fact, they are part of our prayers. They are part of the daily prayers. They're not part of the daily prayers on Shabbat. We have an extra section of Psalms in our Psukhet Zimra. In the, if you go to Shacharit early enough to catch them, that's the trick. You got to go to shul early enough to catch these psalms because they start off the service. The service, the, the, the shacharit is started off with the korbanot, and then straight after that, we have all these psalms. If you get it late, you're going to miss all the psalms. Powerful part of our prayers and beautiful part of our prayers. And, but we can do them at home. You don't have to be in shul to say psalms. You can say psalms anytime you want. If you're down, I'm going to point them out in my series on psalms next week. We're going to go through the psalms. You're feeling down, there's a special psalm for that. Can't, you can't get more down than David Amelech, believe me. You can't get more psalms than David Amelech. You can't get more down than David Amelech. You can't get more high than David Amelech. Whatever your emotional state, there's a psalm to be said. There's rather Shem next week. Join me next week, same time, same channel. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.